What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always with my co-host, John Kegley. We're two writers from San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and I also write for Sports Al Dente, all LA sports-based website where you can see a lot of good writing on there as well, and I cover the Chargers for them too. So we also do a Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, where we've been covering the Chargers for four years now and do a weekly show on there, and this is our second season with the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, we have a lot to talk about today. At first, we're going to start with Anthony Lynn opening up a school in Africa. I mean, he has a very busy time off right now before the season really gets started with training camp and everything else. But during his downtime, he's not going to be relaxing. He's going to be opening up a school in Africa, which is just so cool. So we'll start with that and talk about that good story. And then the second segment, ESPN came out with an article about the person, the player that every team could possibly release, which is something we've talked about on here. Hey, we need to wait and see who these teams release trying to save money by getting rid of players. So we'll talk about that in the second segment, and then we'll finish up the show by talking about Mike Williams. There's been a lot of conversation about what this Chargers wide receiving core is going to be this year with the loss of Tyrell Williams and how big of a jump can Mike Williams make now that he should be receiving more targets with the loss of Tyrell Williams. So we'll finish up the show with that and talk about if Mike Williams can have a really special year and a really breakout year after his already mini breakout year last season. So, John, let's get started with Anthony Lynn and just a really cool thing that he's doing. I was excited to talk about this. I thought it was fitting. We're a Chargers show. I know on the last show, Isaac Rochelle started his own kind of movement talking about stopping social media all the time and taking a day off from it. And then today's show, we get to talk about Anthony Lynn opening up a school in Tanzania. So he partnered with a group called Common Threads. They're a nonprofit organization that's working to build awareness and inspire giving for philanthropic initiatives that can help change the world for the better. And they're doing it out in Africa with the Promise Village that they're building. And Anthony Lynn is using his foundation, the Lynn Family Foundation, to help make that happen and spread awareness and now opening up a school in Tanzania. So, John, when you see a story like that, how does it make you feel? It's nice to see Anthony Lynn and any Charger player making moves in the community, but to hear Anthony Lynn is doing stuff overseas in countries that really need it, too. I mean, yeah, the United States has its issues with people that are poor, but Africa's got it way worse than we do. And he's actually opening up a school to give them more opportunities. It makes me feel really good inside. And I, I don't know if it's bad or not that Toto by Africa started playing in my head yeah. saying Anthony Lynn is blessing the rains down in Africa. But that's kind of the way I kind of open up my feelings with that. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's a good feeling inside to see Anthony Lynn taking time to do that. But I really hope that he has everything set up for OTAs because Africa is not a short trip. I mean, it really is just a testament to him because, hey, most people are relaxing during this time. This is really the last time you get to have an extended vacation or anything like that until the season starts. So, I mean, this is his time and he's spending to use it on this. And, yes, we do have many problems in America and there are many foundations you know, that give to those problems. But to see him 
going to Africa, you know, it would have been easier for him to open up a school here possibly, or at least been a lot closer and more convenient. But no, he's going to Tanzania, opening up a school in Africa. And I mean, one of the quotes that he had was, there was a certain place in Tanzania where they didn't have schools and teenagers were going into the military and young ladies were getting hauled off into sex trafficking. We thought that we needed education there. I helped a little bit and we're going to open it up. So I think he's probably underplaying the amount that he helped in this project or at least how much he's giving to it. But I mean, I think that really speaks for itself. When you're talking about child soldiers, when you're talking about sex trafficking, I mean, these are just things that are absolutely despicable and and disgusting. So to help that and try to do that in a promotional way by opening up an education system and having a school that goes K through seven and will eventually be, you know, K through 12, a high school school where these people can be educated and hopefully make better decisions and hopefully give them opportunities. Because, John, that's what Anthony Lynn's foundation is about, is helping the youth. And he just wants to provide opportunities where he can and help kids, you know, reach their full potential. Because right now, John, these kids don't always have those options. They might feel like those options are very limited because they don't have the education that we take for granted here with public schooling. They don't have that there. So hopefully by helping these kids and helping them, you know, really fill their full potential and just be educated enough to know how to make these decisions, I just feel like is huge. And and another quote he had was basically just, hey, the better coach I can be on the football field will give me a bigger voice to spread awareness on these things. And I think it's absolutely true. It is. And you're starting to see it a lot with athletes nowadays. They're using their platform to speak out on something they care about, whether it's LeBron talking about the racial issues going around or even uh, guys that are trying to fix things on the Internet like Isaac Rochelle. They're using their platform to fix things. So this is a great example of Anthony Lynn saying the better coach he becomes, the more people are willing to listen to him and the more he can use that platform to change the world or even if it's just to change a city. You know, it makes a difference. And to go back to the education you were talking about, there's a lot of things from small to big that this is going to do. The small thing that this can do is it can teach them even something as simple as reading can become a a skill for them now so they can even avoid big problems, prevents. But that's just a small scale thing. A big scale of this school now is going to be one of these kids could possibly be the person that could change Africa around that one person that could create that, even a a company, it could be a company that raises so much money that it creates a city. Yeah, John, I really like the point that you're making there, at least uh, as far as, Hey, this could be a large scale improvement to these people's lives and just how they live. Because right now they might not know that they have a choice or that it's different everywhere else. Like, these kids think that there might only be one way of life and that's the way that they're going now. And this should be able to educate them and, you know, teach them as things as little as reading is writing, reading and writing. Like you said, I mean, these are things we take for granted. I, we almost everyone in America can read and write for the most part. That's not the case in other places in the world. And just to be able to have those minor skills and the major skills, I'm sure they're going to learn in this school is just, I mean, it's invaluable. There's no price that you can put on doing something like this. Whatever money that it costs to open up this school, it pales in comparison to the effect that it could have on these kids and potentially totally changing their lives. So we're hoping for the best for Anthony Lynn, hoping for a safe trip 
for Anthony Lynn and hoping that his foundation, the Lynn family foundation flourishes and, and gets and raises as much money as it can, because obviously what they're doing with that money and being able to spread that awareness is culminating in just major things happening across borders. I mean, in Africa. So it's a great thing that Anthony Lynn's doing and we're proud that he's the head coach of the chargers. They couldn't have a better guy. It seems right now, because what he's doing there is just absolutely crazy. But getting back to more of what the chargers are doing on the field, there's some major holes right now, John, on this roster, especially with the impending injury of Russell Okung and the news that we might get about Russell Okung and how severe that injury could be. So we talked about other players being able to come in potentially after being cut from other teams. And ESPN, perfect timing, came out of, with a list of players that other teams could cut this training camp or even possibly before that. So let's go ahead and get into that. But first, I need to tell you guys about our good friends over at Blue Chew. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can reach those days again with BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. It's time to step your game up in the bedroom. It's not whether you can or you can't, but just improving your overall experience in the bedroom. You're going to love it. Your girlfriend's going to love it. Your wife's going to love it. Your boyfriend's going to love it. Everyone loves Blue Chew. And it's prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Right now, we have a special deal for our listeners. If they visit BlueChew.com, they can get their first shipment for free when they use the special promo code Locked On. All you have to do is pay $5 in shipping, and you get the product for free. That's BlueChew.com, B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it for free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. All right, John, now it's time to get into the next segment, talking about ESPN coming out with an article of notable players that could be cut during the offseason, which, you know, would lead to maybe the Chargers being interested in some players that they didn't have an opportunity to talk to before that. So there's a good list here. I mean, a lot of players, but let's be honest, the Chargers don't need to upgrade a lot of positions, but they do have a few that could use major upgrades, especially on the offensive line. So I have some players here that I thought I would ask you about just because they're ones that would make sense for the positions that the Chargers are weak at right now. So Jordan Mills, who is obviously with the Bills and just signed to the Dolphins, has already been struggling in Miami, and he's projected to possibly get cut. So is Clint Bowling, the guard from Cincinnati, and also Eric Flowers, who is a former first round pick that has kind of bounced around a little bit is, you know, possibly going to get cut from Washington from what this is saying in this article here. So out of all of those names, do any of those stand out to you as someone that the chargers could potentially go after? Well, you could throw Eric flowers out the window for sure. He he's absolutely horrible. There's no need for him. You're basically just going to have another Dan Feeney type situation, but at tackle instead of guard. But those uh, those other two guys, I'm I've been looking them over. I'm like 50 50 on them. I, could they be better than what we have? Yeah, uh, I, believe, I think Clint uh, Bowling could also play tackle if I remember correctly. It's really hard. There's a because there's a reason these guys are getting cut, but there's also 
hope that they're better than what you have. I think the only guy I'd really want to take a risk on out of the guys you named have to be Jordan Mills. Just because I feel like the only reason he's losing his job is because he's getting replaced by some free agents and some guys that were drafted. So I feel like he'd be at least somewhat of an upgrade and he probably won't cost you that much. But a guy I really want to take a look into is the guy the 49ers are cutting, which is Joshua Garnett, a first-round pick. I think he was number 28 overall in the 2016 draft. He was a guy that I saw that I was like, you could put that guy in at guard and he'll be better than Dan Feeney easily. Even if he's not living up to the first-round status or they got someone better, he'd probably live up to it. He, I think he has some injury issues, but they're not completely serious injury issues like what we have with Jason Barrett. So I think he, if he got hurt, he missed like two games but still play. It'd be a major upgrade at guard. And if we had that guard position filled up, I think all you got to worry about is the right tackle position. And you could have Forrest Lamp be that guy, or you could maybe sign two guys off this list and get Jordan Mills on here and have those two positions filled up. There's a lot of moves right there. But if you could fix the Dan Feeney's part with Joshua Garnett, I feel like you fix a lot. Joshua Garnett's really interesting because, like you said, he was a first-round pick, yeah, 28th overall in 2016, and has really never come into his own. And he did have one, I mean, major injury. He did miss the whole 2017 season. So that's, I mean, concerning to an extent and dealt with injuries last year before losing his starting job, and is, but is still on the team right now. I think he's a guy that it would make sense if he potentially got cut. And a guy that, hey, if you want to, if you're the Chargers and you want to see if you can get any of that first round talent that never came to fruition, I think it would make a lot of sense. I think that if you solve the guard issue, if he could come in and be better than Dan Feeney, now you could potentially move Forrest Lamp to right tackle or right guard kick Michael Schofield out to tackle, even though we know that's not great, you would still have a better offensive line than you do right now. It's hard to say, hey, would the Chargers be able to find this lost potential, John? Because guess what? The Chargers really haven't been able to find the potential in their own guys that they've drafted, let alone take a guy who hasn't played well and make him play a lot better. And you could do that. His Some of his injuries that he's had have just been – the 49ers not really training their guys. You've seen some guys go down on the 49ers, and you're going, how is this guy already getting hurt? Either young, there's no way they should be getting hurt. And I'm starting to wonder if the 49ers had the situation the Chargers have had before they uh, started improving the past two years with getting hurt constantly, getting randomly nicks and bruises that turn into big injuries. I'm starting to wonder if the 49ers have that issue, and if we were to bring him to our side, with John Lott, who's doing really good at fixing our guys, could we improve his health and improve the way he plays and get that first-round talent on our offensive line? Because you're not getting anything out of a third-round guy of Dan Feeney. And Forrest Lamp, who is your second-round guy, still has yet to take a snap. Those are your two biggest question marks right there. Is Feeney ever going to live up to what we thought he was going to be? And is Forrest Lamp ever going to play? Sam Tevy was a late-round pick, so you're not expecting much out of him. You still want to improve, but... Is that to say that it's his fault also? Yeah, I mean, I understand that. I just, for me, I when he was on the field, it's not as if he's just been great. I mean, the, the only issues with this guy aren't necessarily just health issues. He has just performance issues, which is something you'll never have to deal with with Blue Chew. But at the same time... <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. It came out of nowhere. Uh, it has to. It has to. It got, you got me. I, I tried to hold it in. I'm sorry. I'm leaving this all in, so that's perfect. Anyways, 
It would be one thing, John, if it was just injury issues that you're worried about, but it is also performance issues, like I said, and that's the part of it that scares me is just, hey, can the Chargers make this guy play better than he did with the 49ers? And I just don't know if that's necessarily the case. I mean, Jordan Mills wasn't really good with the Bills, has been even worse so far in Miami, and they've basically had to replace him with guys behind him on the roster because he's gotten exposed and I just it, there's no good options. I mean, let's just be honest oh, with that. Not a doubt. I mean, that that's the case. Is there's not going to be always great options, but at the same time, can you get a better option than the one that you have? And that's really yeah. all we're that's, concerned about. Yeah. I mean, and or even just can you get someone to at least have a position battle and, and at least have to fight for a roster spot? Yeah, like if. That way you're not relying on some scrub. You know, you're relying on someone who at least has some some potential if they have a new team who has experience in the league at starting that you're going, okay, it's this is the guy we have to rely on now that, the, now that our starter is injured rather than, well, here's our undrafted free agent who looked okay during preseason in his rookie year. Let's see what he can do. I know, and the funny thing about this is I think that, you know, when you talk about a guy like Eric Flowers – Right. I mean, it's just been a, a train wreck pretty much everywhere you go. And then you look at last year when he was with Jacksonville and he wasn't nearly as bad. I mean, it was actually kind of hard not to be like, hey, you know, he played a little bit better after being a total train wreck with the Giants. But I think with that, I mean, it's probably fool's gold. I mean, could he get, come and give Sam Tevy a, a run for his money? Sure. I mean, there's many players that could come and give Sam Tevy a run for his money, but it just seems like it would just end in eventual disaster, which is something that we're trying to avoid because even if he played a little bit better, even if he put up a 70.9 pass blocking grade in 2017, which basically dwarfs what Sam Tevy was able to do last year, giving up the third most pressures amongst any tackle. Uh, it's, it's a little tempting, but it's just, you know, it's going to be a train wreck eventually and you're going to get fed up with him as well as much as you were with Sam Tevy. So I think there are guys on this list that might not even get released, obviously. And then there's other guys on this list that could potentially make a difference. You just don't know which kind of guys that the Chargers are going to pursue. And the scary part is, is we just don't know if the red alert alarms are going off in the Chargers building. Like, hey, Russell Okun has an injury already and we really don't have a backup plan. You'd like to think so. But yes, I guess if you could take a shot at a guy like Joshua Garnett and have him potentially be a starting guard for you if he stays healthy, which has been kind of a big if for him, maybe the coaching staff and the training staff helps with that, then you could explore other options with right tackle. So we're not necessarily saying, hey, you have to bring in an offensive tackle. There might be better options on this roster right now at offensive tackle. We haven't seen it yet, and I don't feel like it's likely, but we've seen a little bit of Schofield at right tackle. If you, at least if you have an upgrade at another position, maybe you can see what Forrest Lamp can do as well. Well, wait, I have a question for you, though. We talked about the offensive line, guys. You said there's a, a glaring need to fill in a wide receiver position. Would you want to take any of these wide receiver guys if they get cut? I mean, there's names on here like, Tory Smith, who could cost you some money, but he's uh, on his way down talent. There's also guys like Chad Williamson, who could be a really cheap guy who's kind of a deep threat. Tavon Austin, who could also help with kickoff returns and be a speedy little catch it in some space and make people miss, like what Tyreek Hill did for the Chiefs. Would you get a guy, any of those type of guys? 
I mean, not really from the guys on this list. I think there are options that I think they could push, you know, potentially for a third wide receiver role. But Torrey Smith, I mean, I feel like you have a kind of Torrey Smith light and Travis Benjamin, uh, guys that are basically only deep threats, not great at, you know, possession catches or really taking a lot of contact, but both have great speed. I wouldn't necessarily want to do that. I saw Laquan Treadwell on this list, who is a guy, I mean, at Old Miss that was absolutely dominant, was a first round pick. Hasn't amounted to anything since he's been in the NFL, but has a couple of pretty good receivers in front of him in Stephon Diggs and, of course, Adam Thielen, who had just a crazy year last season. So I think there are options. We don't have time to talk about them today, but, of course, if any of these guys actually do get released, we'll have to have the conversation of whether to bring them in or not because, yes, they could still improve at the wide receiver position as well. But we do have one more segment to get into talking about Mike Williams and what we can expect from him in the 2019 season after having a much better 2018 season coming up right after this. All right, John, well, now it's time to get into the conversation I was most excited about having, and that is about Mike Williams and what kind of impact he could have this year after, you know, having 11 touchdowns total last season and really breaking out after having only 11 catches in his rookie year in 2017, obviously dealing with a lot of injuries. So the main reason to have this conversation is because, hey, Tyrell Williams left, right? There's a lot of mouths to feed on this offense, and now there's one less who had 41 catches last year for 653 yards. I mean, that's a lot of production you have to fill. Yes, you have Hunter Henry going back, but, John, this should mean a much bigger sample of Mike Williams this year. It's going to be hard to take him off of the field. I think last year they were still kind of trying to manage him a little bit coming back from that injury. But with Tyrell Williams gone, John, it leads to the potential for Mike Williams having a pretty ridiculous season. It it does. He's got to be that number two receiver and he's got to become more than just a third down catch wide receiver. He's good at it. He's good at those intermediate routes, but now you got to maybe see if he could be the other guy for if Keenan Allen gets double teamed, it's got to be Mike Williams that steps up. I remember back when the Bengals had Chad Johnson or Chad Otrosico, however you want to call him. They had TJ Hushabanzada on the other side who was putting up numbers if they ever tried to double team Chad Johnson. This is the same thing. It's going to be Keenan Allen with Mike Williams, so Chad Johnson with TJ Hushamanzada. It's got to be Mike Williams' year to put up those numbers. And I'm wondering if it's going to be the touchdowns that go up or if it's going to be the yards that go up. Because even with the limited time he's had, he's scored some touchdowns and two-point conversions. So you're, you got to wonder if he's going to score even more touchdowns than just 10 or is he going to put up a, over 1,000 yards easily? Yeah, I think, I mean, the yardage is the one that should go up a ton. I would think the targets will surely go up a lot. And let's just look at what he's been able to do so far. I mean, his rookie season, 11 catches for 95 yards, 8.6 yards per catch. And then he he follows that up with 43 catches for 664 yards and 10 touchdowns, receiving with another one rushing in 2018, which is Pretty good numbers. I mean, those aren't wide receiver one numbers. Those are definitely wide receiver two numbers. But I think what we're looking for this year is, you know, almost having two number one receivers with the production that these guys might put up, especially with the lack of a third option in that receiving core. I mean, there's not a guy on this roster right now 
that either of us could see going for 50 catches and, you know, six or 700 yards. We don't know who it is, even if that guy is there. But there's two big options for the Chargers at receiver, and they're both going to get plenty of targets this year. And, I mean, some of the numbers, John, that I saw, I mean, are very encouraging going forward for Mike Williams. Phillip Rivers had a 134.4 passer rating when targeting Mike Williams last year, which was fifth in the NFL. And that was up from 41, a passer rating of 41 in 2017, which is just absolutely horrible. And another thing we talked about, John, was the intermediate routes. And that has been his specialty. On in-breaking routes, he had a on in-breaking routes, Phillip Rivers had 145.2 passer rating when he targeted Mike Williams on those routes. That's ridiculous. It was number one in the NFL on a tandem on those specific routes. So that's where he's already been super effective so far in 145.2, John. That's just, I mean, insane. It is insane, but I think that shows how much Philip Rivers has become comfortable with Mike Williams. And they can only grow their chemistry from here on out and become even better together. And without having to worry about Tyrell Williams now, you got to figure that that passer rating is going to show better numbers, better third down conversions. And it's got to improve Keenan Allen's stats too. If Mike Williams' stats aren't improving, you got to believe that it's because Keenan Allen's stats are improving due to Mike Williams opening up the field a little bit more for him. So whether it's Mike Williams' stats that improve, is it going to be improving everybody else's stats? There's guys that have done that, like Larry Fitzgerald at one point was improving everybody else's stats on the Cardinals, I remember, one year, and the team didn't make the playoffs, but it was like, yeah, that's because their defense was horrible, but Larry Fitzgerald has improved the whole offense by drawing all the attention to him. you got to figure Mike Williams has to be that kind of guy now. Well, and just being a dominant receiver to the point where, hey, you can't put extra attention towards Keenan Allen because you have Mike Williams on the other side and and vice versa. You know, you can't double Mike Williams if you have Keenan Allen, who's just going to absolutely shred you on those short passes and just getting first downs left and right. So I think that's what they're dependent on. They'll be dependent on each other. And I think, John, what we're going to see is more of what we saw from Mike Williams the second half of last season, where he started playing a lot more, getting targeted a lot more. I, I let, to put it into perspective, I mean, from weeks one through 11 last year, he never played more than 50 snaps offensively. After that, he played 50-plus snaps four times, including being the most targeted player by six targets in the divisional round against New England. When they needed something badly, they went to Mike Williams early and often. And I think that's the focal point I think we'll be seeing going into the 2019 season. No more restrictions on him. No more rehabbing from injuries. All of those things are done now as long as he can stay healthy and have a full offseason, which isn't a given, but you know he's not coming back from something and working back from like a back injury like he had his rookie season, which is very serious and takes a ton of rehabilitation and everything else that goes into it. It's not an easy recovery. And we've seen other receivers, John, kind of in similar situations where they're forced into a bigger role have giant seasons after having, you know, okay seasons. The, the guys I looked at and I saw had similar jumps from year to year to what we can expect from Mike Williams. You can look at a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who in his second year had 76 catches and six touchdowns. In his third year, he had 111 catches for 1,521 yards and 11 touchdowns. That's from year to year. 
Uh, Antonio Brown is another good example. He obviously even had a later start than Mike Williams did because of opportunities. He had 66 catches for 787 yards and five touchdowns in his third year. And then when they really started focusing on him offensively in his fourth year, he had 110 catches for 1,500 yards and eight touchdowns. I mean, so, John, I mean, Mike Williams is not those players. He's not the same kind of caliber player, I don't think, as those two guys. But at the same time, you have seen guys who, hey, can have a little bit of a slower start and then explode onto the seed with absolutely ridiculous years. Mike Williams is that caliber yet. You don't know what he's going to become yet. As of right now, I know he's not DeAndre Hopkins who just catches a pass that's 500 miles away by somehow using the force to bring it in. He's Mm -hmm. not, you know, an Antonio Brown that catches a ball and just speeds away from people. He's his own special guy right now who can get into space, make a catch, make a catch with contact, maybe out jump a guy if he needs to, runs routes really well. So he's got those type of guys, but with, he's so talented that he should be having number jumps like that. He should definitely be getting, I'm not going to say 1,500 yards, but somewhere in the 1,000s to 1,100 yard with somewhere around maybe, say, 80 to 90 catches. You could probably get between him and Keenan. They'd probably both get somewhere around there if Keenan doesn't surpass 100 again like he usually does. But Hunter Henry is going to be a bigger role this year. And I'd have to figure that if Mike Woods becomes a bigger role this year, it's got to leave Travis Benjamin open a lot more for those deeper passes. I'd have to imagine that Anthony Lynn and Ken Wisenhunt are going to have to become more creative with getting guys open now that you have a more talented receiver. I think Mike Woods is more talented than Tyrell Williams. That's just me. I feel like he's going to be a lot more talented than he is and be a bigger playmaker. Because Tyrell wouldn't even jump for a jump ball until last year. Yeah. We were arguing about that forever. And he until last year he didn't even start jumping for jump balls. Mike Williams already does that. He even while hurting, he was still looking like a better receiver than Tyrell Williams. He just didn't have the health to outperform him. Yeah, I mean the talent between those two guys is not in the same, I mean, class at all. I mean, Tyrell Williams was an undrafted free agent. Mike Williams was the seventh overall pick in the 2017 draft. I mean, that comes with high expectations and you don't get that without being a guy that, you know, could potentially be a number one receiver, which is what the chargers were hoping that he would be. I think him and Keenan Allen really complement each other. Well, I think that's a good combination of guys to have on that, you know, on the outside. But if we're talking about what he could do this season, I don't know if he'll ever be an 85, 90 catch guy. I don't know if that's necessarily his skill set. I think he's more of a big play receiver that could average, you know, 18 to 19 yards per catch potentially in the future. But I would say a realistic expectation for what he could do this year would have to be somewhere around 65 to 70 catches, 1,100 to 1,200 yards. And I don't know if the touchdowns go up a ton because, hey, the guy scored 10 touchdowns receiving last year. I think he could get around the same number, 10, anywhere between 10 to 12. So if I had to put actual numbers on it, I would say 68 catches for 1,150 yards and 11 touchdowns receiving, which would still, John, be a pretty ridiculous season. It'd be a huge jump, and it'd be pretty ridiculous. And you know Keenan Allen's going to have better numbers than that. At least you have to think. 
So if you have that, the at least in catches and yards. I mean, yeah, touchdowns a different story, but yards and receptions, Keenan Allen more than likely has to have more than him realistically if you're thinking about it. So you got to imagine that this offense has to be moving up and down the field, and Hunter Henry's going to be back, so he's got to be catching the plays that teams are taking Keenan and Mike Williams out of the play. That's going to be Hunter Henry's spot, and Melvin Gordon catches out of the backfield too. So saying 68 is not an unrealistic number of catches, and he is a big play guy. He does at least catch at least 20, 15 yards a catch, if not catching a deep pass like he did against the Titans. So that's not an unrealistic number, but I think he could go for those 80 receptions this year and still be around 1,100 yards. And I'd have to say I agree with 11 touchdowns. I'd have to agree with that. That's a realistic number for him because, yeah, he already scored 10 with having fewer plays and fewer catches. He's not going to surpass 10 by that much. If he does, maybe it's 15 at the most. Right, and he also has Hunter Henry, who should get a, a fair share of red zone targets as well because Mike Williams, I mean, and Antonio Gates were the two big guys in the red zone. And once you got in close, I mean, you don't have Gates this year. You have Hunter Henry coming back, who's probably more proficient in the red zone right now than in Gates is, obviously, at his age. And Keaton Allen actually has pretty good red zone numbers as well. He's not your typical guy there. But he actually does make plays and actually gets you a lot of first downs specifically and can get some touchdowns as well. But at the end of the day, I think Mike Williams, the hype is real. If he can stay healthy, I think that he can prove a lot of people wrong and and put up a season that I don't think many people thought he would ever have after his rookie year. And I think it is all dependent on health. But I think talent wise, Mike Williams absolutely could be a number one wide receiver and put up number one wide receiver numbers. And I think with his ability to make contested catches, contour his body on catches, and to make just big plays after big plays, I think we've only kind of scratched the surface and you've seen it from game to game. You'd have a a game on and a game off. He's going to be looked to more as having a good game pretty much every game this season. So there's a lot to look forward to, but that is going to wrap things up for today's show. We'll be back with you guys later on in the week. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page, LockedOnChargers, as well as following us or subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts from, the Himalaya Podcasting app, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, wherever you get it from, you can find the Locked On Chargers, and you can get the show earlier than everyone else does. If you want to get your voice on the show, make sure to call into the Locked On Chargers voicemail line. Every voice gets on the show, and you can call it at 323 323- Five two four seven nine two four. What are you guys waiting for? We love the voicemails, and we haven't gotten a bad one yet. So call into the Locked On Chargers voicemail line, so we can answer your questions or put your voice on the show. All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys later. Take it easy and go Bolts.